We got an email. Well, let's talk about said email. Today is a podcast for, let's call it... Future date unknown. Twenty Yes, for Saturday, July 22nd. Getting desperately close to that Otakon time. August 4th through the 6th, you can meet me and Joel, and possibly Scavs, creator of FrontBeat.com. And my twin brother, Ben. Oh, Ben's coming? Did he, I thought he said he was coming. I think he is, but then I'm never sure. <laughs> well, that would be great if he did, and you can meet us all. And if you're a super cool dude who listens to the podcast... Maybe you can come to the hotel room on Saturday night, drink a couple beers, or soda if that's your preference. I like play, soda. Play a couple Dreamcast games, and, uh, you know, hopefully we won't have to deal with rowdy racists like we have in years in the past. <laughs> this year, party is not getting publicized. <laughs> what is, where are we staying this year? I don't even know. The Radisson, the place we stayed the, uh, the second year. That thing seemed pretty cool. Were we on the roof? Yeah. <laughs> So, with any luck, we won't get kicked out of our hotel room again. But, uh... Is Andor coming down? Yeah, I think so. Nice. So, he keeps forgetting to buy his ticket. Speaking of which... Ah, <laughs> uh, I'll do that God, tonight. Thank God I'm the one who does all the planning. <laughs> we got a sweet artist room. Or table in the really? artist room, did I tell you? We're really? like the third table in. <laughs> nice. From the little artist... How early do we register? And uh, I mean, by how early, I mean... I how... registered the day... That they allowed registrations for the art table. You mean you didn't register the second day we were at Otacon? You had yeah. to like bribe the chick that looked like a dude. Who was well, just like... it's pretty amazing what can get done when, uh, you know, you actually do work instead of just trusting scabs to put things down. You know when I got the hotel room? January. <laughs> was it super or cheap? Or maybe March. It, second cheapest hotel there was. I nice. think it's like 130 For the whole... For per night. Oh, well, still split like five ways. Probably be like sixty bucks a person. Nice. Yeah, not too bad. Better than what we paid last year. Though we won't have a sweet couch and a fridge, probably. But you know, we'll live. Take what you can get. Anyway, email comments. This is sort of a weird email. Let me read through it, or at least the pertinent parts, because you know I've been listening to other podcasts and they seem to read the full email. And then reply to it. Whereas we kind of break it up and then people are like, is this part of the email or are they still talking about stuff? Somebody said that to me, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Hi, Dave and Joel's Fast Karate for the Gentleman. I wandered across your podcast from AWO a while back, instantly doubling the number of worthwhile pieces of the internet I've now found. I would have written something earlier, but I still have no idea what you talk about. I know what you have previously talked about, and I can usually follow your current topic, but past that, I don't know. Near as I can figure, it usually revolves around the population of China and Fist of the North Star, but that doesn't really narrow things down. Surprisingly, these twin pillars seem strong enough to carry an incredibly wide range of reviews. So Dave and Joel's Fast Karate for the Gentleman, as I do not know where you are taking the show, I feel unable to suggest any topic for you to look at in the future. Instead, I'll just ask you to continue and hope that that is vague enough. Also, I enjoyed your reviews of Airmaster and they were 11. As much as it seems redundant to cover the same shows as another podcast, if not completely pointless, even lazy perhaps, where was I going with this? Ah, it was in fact incredibly useful to hear the thoughts of people who had watched these shows after hearing AWO's reviews, much as I intend to. Yes, incredibly. Ken. P.S. The Amnesia episode, 
Ah, crap. We don't need that part. <laughs> what? That's when, that's, he's just like, uh, I can't download this episode. And I'm like, uh, I'm dumb. So let us reply to Ken C. First of all, Ken, your name means fist. And it's the first part of the name Kinshiro, the main character from Fist of the North Star. Coincidence? <laughs> that, that's not the more perfectly timed. <laughs> All right. So, you know, you're sitting around your house. You're thinking, you know, I love listening to great podcasts on the Internet. But why aren't there any great podcasts on the Internet? But don't be afraid. Because there are. But I guess there's only two or maybe three. It's us and Anime World Order and... Gokibori Cha Cha Cha. Can I just say that I am honored to be one of the two worthwhile places on the internet? I mean, I've got to say, that touches a spot. Obviously, we have a bit of a bias, but I think Joel and I are... We're, we're strong judges of character, and I think we're able to step outside of ourselves and decide, you know, what's really good on the internet, which is us. Yes. And then, like, a couple other people, and then... I mean, I look at other websites, and I look at ours, and you're right. It may just look like the cookie-cutter blogspot crap that everybody else just uses to post their drivel onto the internet, but as far as that drivel's concerned, we're a shining golden that droplet like of divine best, saliva. Best drivel ever. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't believe. I was listening to this uh, Final Fantasy Eleven podcast. Mother of Big God. Big mistake. I was sitting there like... I didn't really know what I thought I could glean out of it, but I thought maybe these would be people with like high-level jobs talking about strategies. But no, really, it just boiled down to what basically everything in that game does: calling people fags. You mean it wasn't all like fun, Mithra Funhole liquefaction? Lol. There was some of that too. So don't you worry, Joe. It's, it's all represented. <laughs> That's just like. When I, I signed up for like a little guild in Final Fantasy, so the idea behind these things is like you join together with other people and you help them. I'm like a little woodcrafting dude and I can make cabinets for people who need cabinets made. So if anyone needed a cabinet and they were part of my guild, I could be like, hey dude, here's a cabinet. And then if they were really strong and I need them to like kill a dragon, they could kill that dragon for me. It's all about helping people, but instead, they, they call each other gay a lot, and uh, your mom, it, that's a favorite. You're, 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 you're my looking for a level of organization that has never existed. Everyone always, like, but I thought it would be awesome to be part of a guild, because I'll be like, there'll be people out there that can help me when I'm online, and if you have, like, 40 people in your guild, there's always going to be somebody you can talk to. Yeah. It's never that way. Nope. It's real. Final Fantasy XI, or probably any online game, is really just a metaphor for the greater internet as a whole. Like, you come onto the internet with these high-flying ideals that, you know, you can look up any piece of information and get this huge treatise on everything you could possibly want to know. And what's actually on the internet? Urban Dictionary. <laughs> An incredible amount of porn. They're, like, if you actually... I want somebody to work out a ratio for how many actual historical documents are posted on the internet and how many pieces of pornography. You could probably even do it by, like, just website. You wouldn't even have to do, like, yeah. actual piece. I'm still betting it would be, like, in the billions to one. Yeah, I agree. Beautiful. 
But thank you, Ken, for being a shining star on the internet and also giving us time to fill up in this podcast where we don't really have anything else to talk about. So, uh... What are you talking about? We did awesome with it. Yeah. Because of our buddy Ken. Ken's a good guy. So, if were it not for him, who knows what we would have done. But we figured it out. And <laughs> I would ask that anyone else who has comments, constructive criticism, or suggestions for future shows would write to the show. Dave at fan-service.org. Some people might be listening to this for the first time if I actually get promos out. Actually, no, that'll probably happen next week. Well, maybe sometime in the future we'll have more readers than, like, the six guys on our forum, Daryl Surratt, and Ken C. <laughs> That's a pretty strong base right there. Well, it's like better it. than what we it's were doing. It's a place to build from. About <laughs> ten months ago when we started <laughs> It's taking a little bit of time. We're starting to build momentum. Yeah, we're just like getting going. Ball. We're coming out of the mountain, and now we're going downhill. Welcome to the roller coaster. That is fast karate for the gentleman. Now, we're going to pause here because I'm going to be a cool dude and play a message from our sponsors. So I'm sitting at the Dungeons & Dragons table explaining the greater psychosexual implications of Hercules against the Moon Men. And everybody starts looking at me like I've grown a third eye. And that's when I realize it is my duty to bring enlightenment to the ignorant masses, to reach forth with my ephemeral tendrils through the crimson murk of the internet and inject the power of Nerdvana directly into your brain with the soul-shattering experience of the greatest movie www.fearthegooberzilla.com The greatest movie ever podcast. Okay, who the hell are our sponsors? <laughs> well, Joe, if you were listening to the podcast, you would have known that I just played Gokiburi Cha Cha Cha's promo. Ah! Well... At least that's the theory. I don't know if I can actually find it online, but fingers crossed, dude. Just make one. You can download the podcast. I'm sure Doki won't mind. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll make my own, and I'll just be splicing of him and his mom. He's, <laughs> I guess, like his girlfriend or whoever his normal co-host is is like on vacation, so he's been having his mom talk about these movies. <laughs> that's awesome. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I'll have Nothing like hearing I don't know, like a 50, 60 year old lady talking about American Ninja. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I want to get my mom to talk about American Ninja. My mom has a doctorate in psychology. That would be hilarious. Perhaps she would learn that amnesia is not a plot device. Now, mom, what do you think is Michael Dudikoff's problem? <laughs> well, how about being raised by a Japanese soldier who thinks World War II is still He's going the most on? Well-balanced Japanese bush soldier <laughs> ever to go. Well, what I like is he picks his little white baby up and doesn't kill him. <laughs> or eat, or eat him. <laughs> Delicious white baby. Now, you've eaten all the children in Japan by now, just like the propaganda videos promised. So now here's one for the God, their eyes Japanese are so big. Race. And their, their glasses are equally large. I'm amazed that Michael Dudikoff managed to uh, escape that unscarred. And oh. with a perfect accent. <laughs> Whatever. This attempt at providing an easy segue into the cartoon drastically failed. <laughs> so, I think even though when we say, we always point out when it's a perfect segue, <laughs> so we totally smash it to bits anyway. So uh, here we go with Maddox01, 
No, it's Magox, dude. Full metal skin alchemist panic. It, it was Madox. It was M-A-D-O-X-01. Well, that to me says Maddox. But, you know... Maddox has two Ds. Well, so is your Aunt Sally. They must be silent. <laughs> yeah, it's an Egyptian thing. <laughs> Whatever. God. You know, this was from a... I... <laughs> I don't even know. How do you start? How do you start with Madox? It was made in what, 1986, 1987? It was right around that time, like we were talking about last week, where the Japanese were all like, holy crap, OVAs make us so much money, or something to that extent. Well, this one had a complete story arc. Yeah, at least it didn't end in the middle. Or if you can call it an arc, it was sort of just like a, a straight line. Dara Surratt hooked us up on the, uh, the comments for the blog, and he was all like, Two episode OVAs are made to get people to watch the manga. I was like, I don't think so. I think somebody <laughs> saw Apocalypse Zero and, like we said, shot everyone involved with it. <laughs> There's no way they made more than one published version of that. Well, Dark Horse, I think, is releasing the manga and still is. There's something like nine volumes. Brilliant. Brilliant. This is why we can't get whatever. Osamu Tezuka's Dororo over here. Which is like a classy, classic of classic manga. Instead, we get Apocalypse Zero. God, I hope there's even more genitalia monsters <laughs> in the manga. With nine volumes! With nine volumes, what's going to stop them? How well, many different ways can you transmute a uh, vagina into something horrifying? Anyway, back to the matter at hand. So, Maddox is Maddox. I'm sorry, is a little less disturbing, but really no more in entertaining. In fact, Madox is really deceptively benign. Like, yeah. you're watching and you're like, this movie's kind of okay, like, there's a robot guy and it's all totally normal and there's no nudity or profanity or excessive violence. Sure, the girl takes off her clothes when getting into that sweet 80s jumpsuit. But otherwise, it's fun for the whole family. Except, the plot makes no sense at all. It follows that basic, the standard logic of Japan. And that is, all Japanese teenagers at one point in their life come in contact with an interterrestrial force, a robot suit, or some sort of mystical portal to the past that grants them magical powers in the present, and then they have to fight the government. <laughs> God bless them. I like this mentality in anime, that if you find a giant-ass metal box marked with army all over it, your first instinct isn't to get the F out of there. <laughs> and second, when you hit a button that turns it into a giant robot, your second instinct is to eat ramen. Yeah. It's like, hmm, I've got this giant robot flight suit. I better finish dinner. How are you even still holding the cup? I would like squeezed the cup and broken it and scalded my hands <laughs> in excitement at having seen the jetpack robot suit in front of me. Of course, the pain in my hand would have been distracted by me peeing my pants with joy. <laughs> it's like I'm kind of ashamed, but I can't decide which thing for. It's stupid that I just spilled ramen all over myself, but I peed my pants. If no one walks in right now... Maybe they won't know that we're different. They just start rubbing the ramen all over your crotch. Completely forgetting that there's a robot hanging out in your room, dude. 
For real. But the other the other stupid thing is that something like this doesn't have a little transmitter bug that tells the army yeah. where it is. Well, first off, the army loses it in, like... Downtown Tokyo. A near-miss accident. <laughs> the guy in front of them is, like, changing the radio station, and they swerve to avoid, and... It's like, oh, we forgot to secure our priceless robot onto the back of our truck. And why are you moving it without a police escort? When these things move, there's like 20 people. Yeah, why don't you have it? like one other car around? Why would you even move it, period? Why would it leave the base? Yeah, it doesn't really. And then, you know, okay, so the robot makes, or the, the army makes this robot, and they, te- they test it, and they're so happy, and there's the guy who commands the tank division who's all sour. Because now there's going to be a robot division and nobody's going to like the tanks anymore. And he'll get his revenge, but not yet. And then they're driving along at night and they lose the little robot thing and it falls right into the, I don't know, Tokyo Engineering School studio. No, it falls into the uh, back of the auto mechanics truck. Oh! Because he works at a shop. You know that because he slides out from under a car facing the wrong yeah, way. Yeah, in reverse. <laughs> this bumper looks about right. <laughs> Wait, it's so stupid. Every time you've seen somebody underneath the car, their head goes in first, right? They're on the little sliding yeah. dolly thing, and you roll in. Not this guy. He goes in feet first. He's diving into the project. <laughs> and making it impossible to work on any part of the car. Whatever. He doesn't have time for that. They don't go to Tokyo Engineering School to learn about cars. They learn about robots. Yeah, which is exactly why he can immediately pilot this thing after reading the manual for like a half an hour. And also accidentally falling into it. All I know is after he accidentally... He's already eating with chopsticks with the thing that can crush a cinder block. But he can't figure out how to open up the back. Yeah. Uh, He can fly the thing. He can deploy the little chainsaw wings at will to cut off the hood of the redneck's car that like was harassing him. Yeah. But he can't hit the eject button until the end of the movie. This guy must have really great touch. I can't even play skee-ball, and he can manipulate a uh, mechanical limb that has thousands of pounds of power. And not break power. the chopsticks. Or the bowl holding his delicious fried shrimp. Truly, and they're a dexterous Nobody people. really gets upset when he bursts through the wall of that shop. Like, I'll yes. take this. Lunch! And then he probably pays for it, because he's a huge sissy. But he can't get to his wallet because it's inside the robot. Okay, maybe they gave it to him on credit. Maybe they were just like, there's a giant gun attached to the arm you're holding that with. I can't tell if you're threatening me or holding it up. So I'm just going to dive underneath the counter. It's good to eat when you're flying a giant robot because it gives you time to reminisce on why your girlfriend dumped you and she's moving to (laughs) England. Her dad is making her, Dave. And you've got to make it. Stupid dad, I hate you. To downtown tower in yeah, time. The NRS tower. It's like, you know, there are many forms of transportation. Some of them are less viable in Tokyo than maybe they are here. You probably wouldn't want to drive to the NRS tower. But, you know, they, most people in Tokyo own a bike. No, there are only three ways to get around in Tokyo. Robot, jetpack, flying cloud... Subway system. In that order. Okay? The subway is kind of expensive and it can be confusing. Yeah, and some parts of it are kind of dirty, aren't they? Actually, it was immaculate. Basically the entire... Well, I guess it's dirty compared to like a Japanese person's house. 
<laughs> but compared to an American, there was a McDonald's food wrapper on the floor. <laughs> but it was really only there for like five, six seconds. Let's just say I this: got it up. I got off at a subway station and urinated just to feel at home. <laughs> I would have done that regardless. <laughs> and none of them would have stopped me because they're all like four foot two. It's like, what are you gonna do, coffee like I'm with a gun? I would just grab their heads and clonk them together like in the Three Stooges. And I told you spun them around. All the cops with the, the guns in Tokyo, all the cops have the little uh, safety cables on their guns. What, so they can't be stolen? Yeah, I guess. In case a foreigner comes up. They're so much bigger. Wait, you know how to use a gun? <laughs> You've seen one of these before? Oh! There's so many switches. It's so heavy. But back to Maydox. You've got to make it to your girlfriend, Dave. She's going to England in a week. See, or tomorrow. They don't really tell you why this is so urgent. They also don't tell you why they need a flashback for something that happened, like, yesterday. Especially since they already told you that they, uh... She's going to... You have all the information. They're breaking up because she's going to England. But yet they feel the need to insert a flashback that tells you that over, like, five minutes. The melodrama, Dave. So they can do that cool scene where they were zooming out with a black background playing the really sad music. Like, sepia tone. Yeah, and they had the the shadows under their eyes. They're so distant. And it was also so they could show that guy in his really great suspender tie outfit. Total new wave. Yeah, this show really... It's like I'm looking at Flock of Seagulls. <laughs> he had, like, the, sli- the uh, shirt and sleeves. The that was, that, they should have played that song while he was, like, flying away. Oh, That's a great action funny. chasing uh, song. You know Saint Seiya? Yeah. They, I'm almost certain they used And I Ran for the theme song in America. Are you serious? Whatever it was called, Knights of the Zodiac. Yeah. I remember reading about that somewhere. Also, yeah, we need to look that up. That's a... Interesting little nugget. Also funny is that uh, there's some show in Japan that was real popular in like the past couple months called Speed Graffer. It's a, a yeah, I've seen. It's about taking pictures. Like, I assume it's comments. crap because it's made by Studio Gonzo, who basically oh. exclusively makes crap, except for Blue Sub, I guess, which was pretty good. Yeah, but anyway, Blue Sub definitely teetered on the edge. Yeah, we'll well, at the end. Uh, anyway, so. The opening scene to Speed Graffer, which is a show about guys taking pictures with cameras, is Girls on Film. Are you serious? But they couldn't get the licensing rights for America. <laughs> oh, no! The irony! <laughs> That's so funny. Whatever, like Japan licensed it, they probably were just like, copyright? There's no copyrights on this side of the Atlantic, Pacific, <laughs> Northwest. <laughs> Cut that all out. No way, dude. Your that, lack of geographical knowledge will be posted on the internet. Post haste. Hey, if you want to get... A comical image of a map of the world will be posted. It says, Japan here, Dave. If you want to get technical, there's Atlantic around there somewhere, okay? We're all on one side of each ocean. You're right, Dave. Okay, yeah. So can we get back to the show? Mr. Yang and the... So the chick who made the robot... Who also is the pilot of the robot and appears to be on the board of directors for the army. She is the head software programmer, uh, pilot, Mater D, uh, <laughs> press press woman, press secretary, and uh, tactical planner, head of the daycare department. And she just does that. She's an all-around superwoman. Mm-hmm. She's really exemplifies the idea of the '80s modern woman, except instead of taking care of a kid and going to work, she 
builds a robot and blows up tanks. And loses the robot. But then, like, like she had a backup robot. Yeah. I guess the backup robot just wasn't as good. <laughs> Which it was definitely Because otherwise, like, why would you need the new robot? Alright, I'm sorry. It was hot and this anime wasn't that good, so I fell asleep. What happened at the end? Did he destroy both robots? No, no. Okay, so what happened is... <laughs> so, he finally gets to the tower to see his girlfriend. He's like, I love you, girlfriend! But she's like, a hundred stories up. So he's like, oh crap, what can I possibly do in this flying robot? <laughs> and by now, uh, he's already been approached by the army. And of course, natural instinct is to shoot the hell out of them <laughs> instead of, I don't know, running away or giving up. <laughs> Help me get out of the robot. Die, helicopter. It's like this 17-year-old kid. I hate helicopters. Well, those two guys are never going to see their family again. <laughs> he claims it wasn't him. It was the robot suit. Yeah. Yeah, but right. That was the only time it really did anything on its own. Looks like Kenshiro's got an itchy trigger finger. Is that his name, no. Kenshiro? Let's just... Takishi. Takishi. Whatever. So, girlfriend's up on the 100th floor. How can he possibly get up to her? Go through the parking garage and to the elevator. But, all this time, he's being preferred, pursued by the chick who made the robot and also has a crappy, like, D-line robot. And he's got to go really fast because it just went from DEFCON 3 to DEFCON 4, which is not only in reverse, but DEFCON 4 is, like, nothing. <laughs> Stormy weather, like partially cloudy with a chance of what clearing is that? the late afternoon. That's like terror alert green. <laughs> terror. So, he beats up the girl robot and then he's like, yo, I gotta find my girlfriend, man. She's going to England tomorrow. And she's like, shut your hole. You're coming with me for stealing our robot. And he's like, it was in my truck. And then she's like, oh, well, then that's okay. You want to go say goodbye to your girlfriend? I'll drive you. And he's like, all right. But then the evil tank commander from before who really hates the robots and tends to raise his fist in the air and go, Grr. he's like, watch out because my flying tank is going to blow both of you guys up, even though we're on the same side. It's probably because I seem to be American. <laughs> and Lord knows we don't like them. Oh, not even a little bit. So... Even he deploys a billions to Japanese companies for weapon contracts. <laughs> he deploys in the middle of the crowded Tokyo tourist district <laughs> with his flying tank, which doesn't so much fly as it is a ripoff of the little tiny tank from Dominion Tank Police. And even then, it can't jump like that tank. It just does that little thing where it goes up on a V on its treads and, and walks. Like, drives around, but it's really only good for going upstairs. And I don't really see the need to go upstairs in the tank. And maybe he shouldn't have either, because it all evolves into a climactic battle where the girl robot gets all shot up by a helicopter and, like, loses her legs. But the other guy's fine, which I guess is why they needed the good robot, because it wasn't made out of paper mache. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, our critical design flaw. We didn't use the right glue. And then she shoots at him with this, like, hook from her robot's junk area. And I got all nervous because we just watched Apocalypse Zero last week. Oh, please like, don't oh, turn into a monster. Start, start shooting stuff. semen. I'm going to throw up. <laughs> Fortunately, Joel was asleep for that part. Unfortunately, it wasn't made of uh, genitalia flesh. It was, in fact, made of rope. And he just cut the rope. <laughs> Wait, the tether that was designed? Yeah, it was a rope. <laughs> Real smart, We're going to get some, like, super-coiled, monomolecular steel titanium mesh. Just a rope. And it's like, then, no! Nylon is the most 
powerful material known to man. And then she's like, oh, now I'm tired because my robot has no legs being made out of paper mache. And she's like, you got to go stop the tank guy, 16-year-old kid with no training. And he's like, why do you have to stop the tank guy? Why don't you just give up? Then tank guy doesn't have a job. <laughs> well, so by this point, surly. tank guy was not taking no for an answer. Because you don't insult tanks with a guy whose name is Tank Guy. That should just be common sense. But anyway. It's her own fault, really. And then, you know, he shoots a shell out of the cannon at him. And then somebody, like, fires a spike at the other, the tank's treads. And then the kid opens up the visor on the robot for no reason at all. And then he gets another cannon round shot at him. But it, for some reason, doesn't horribly dif- disfigure his face slash kill him because he's now unprotected. <laughs> And then, like, this domed walkway above this garden, like, 30 stories in the air, collapses, and they're falling down, and the tank's like, haha, I have these tethers for some reason that I can shoot at you, and use them to keep myself afloat. And they also appear to be made out of rope. <laughs> but he doesn't cut them for some reason, and instead he just ejects from the robot, which, for some reason, now he can do, even though he couldn't before. And then the robot's like, eh, I don't really feel like holding onto this wall anymore. Now that my pilot's gone, and it just falls. And the tank falls, and presumably the army guy, who went a little crazy, but, you know, wasn't like your enemy, is dead. I don't know, I guess he fell like 30 floors in his tank and got crushed. The power of flight would have been a good addition to the flying tank. I was going to say, the flying tank really could have saved your ass there, bro. (laughs) And then I guess the guy gets to see his girlfriend or something, but I think she still goes to England. Yeah, they don't really clear that up. They see each other that night, which I guess is all that really matters in this crazy backwards world we live in, Dave. I would have waited until she went to England, and then I would have drove the robot there. <laughs> Took her back. <laughs> Screw you, Dad. My boyfriend's a robot. I would have been like, ah, robot! The end! But apparently he needs diesel fuel. <laughs> yeah, be- I was starting to wonder... I guess you read that manual really well, but I don't think diesel fuel could... Power a jet? You're right, Dave. It's not high enough octane. One would think something like a jet engine would do that. Jet fuel? Jet engine? Seems about right. But such are not the questions you can ask of Madox Zero One. Yeah. It was like when It was typical of your bizarre 80s robot animes. It's kind of like a crappy version of Action Zone 23. Megazone 23. Even though Megazone 23 was like a crappy version well, of Well, the itself. first one was pretty good, and then the, the, <laughs> the rest... It's like they all forgot that the, the idol singer was a robot. Yeah, they just let that slide totally. It's like, okay, we gotta insert some sweet sex scenes, dude. And then Yasuomi Uimetsu's like, after I direct this, I will direct the greatest animated feature ever known. Kite! Yeah, but we'll save that for a later day. The end. (laughs) I found a giant robot, it fell into my truck. And then I shot a helicopter and orphaned some kids. I've gotta find my girlfriend, she's waiting for me on the tower because her dad's making go to England. I really hope I don't die in this robot suit. That guy has a flying tank, but it's really just a walking tank. I don't know why he calls it a flying tank. It doesn't fly. I don't know, that's it. The other version was funnier. 
tribute to the greatest song in the world. I'm gonna be with you and my robot Driving down the streets of Shinjuku Avenue You can't drive there on Saturdays Unless you're a giant robot Then who's gonna stop you? While the Tokyo military But they don't exist So how are they gonna stop you? Well, crazy tank guy from the U.S. The U.S. doesn't seem to upset that they lost their giant robot and gave it to a 17-year-old boy who went to Tokyo Engineering School. <laughs> and then the 80s girl who has like a thousand jobs is gonna go get that robot back but her robot really sucks so I don't know what she was talking about doing anyway. Me and my robot. Oh, it's a song! <laughs>